Aloha, I'm Chad Ford, host of NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm with Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. We're going to talk Western Conference, Summer League, rookies, sophomores, everything else. Here we go. Aloha, I'm Chad Ford from Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm with my good friend, NBA Draft Junkies, Rafael Barlow. Uh, We just got done breaking down the Eastern Conference Summer League performances for rookies and sophomores and everyone else. Now we're heading over to the Western Conference where we're going to think about the prospects that we like the most uh, playing in the Summer League over in the Western Conference. You can also read uh, a bunch more about this, including draft grades. Uh, for every single uh, prospect in the summer league over at nbabigboard.com. Raphael, we're going to start at the top. Jalen Green, uh, you know, chip on his shoulder. Uh, Got to play Kate Cunningham head-to-head uh, in the second game. Really felt uh, like he was disrespected in some ways that he wasn't taking first by Detroit. Had a pretty awesome summer league uh, before coming down with an injury. Uh, what did you think about Jalen Green uh, in those opening two and a half-ish uh, games that he played for the Rockets? Yeah, I liked everything that I saw from him as far as just like the competitive fire. Um, we knew he could score the ball. And even like the second game where the game where he was matched up head-to-head with Kate, I thought he had a quiet 25. I thought that he got to the free throw line a lot, even though there was some intensity there, like a one-on-one type feel in a sense. But I was just impressed with his just ability to put the ball in the basket, but more so his first step. I knew he was an elite athlete, and I knew he could make plays above the rim. But I it was my first time seeing him play live since since he was in high school, and I was just really impressed with how fast he was as, as far as just his first step. Yeah, I mean, his stat line, 20 points a game, 4.3 rebounds a game, which is actually a pretty good number for him, 52.6% from three. And here's here's the thing that I think is a little bit overlooked. He only plays 12 minutes in his third uh, summer league game before he injures his hamstring. He already had 13 points in those first 12 minutes, and, and that figures into his average. He could have very well ended up leading the summer league uh, in scoring instead of Cam Thomas uh, if he had played that full uh, third game. And, and you're right, the Kate Cunningham game, I actually thought was his least impressive performance uh, in that he was he was struggling a little bit more uh, than he normally does, but he still finds ways to score. Um, yeah. you know, even if his shot isn't following, following exactly the same way, he still found ways to, to impact this game. He's just going to be a live wire. I, I think that you're going to see a guy who's got whether it's manufactured or not, we've seen the greats do this. We've seen Michael Jordan do this. We've seen Kobe Bryant do it. He's going to manufacture disrespect. Um, he's going to use it to drive and motivate him. You know, I came away from watching the summer league. And again, you don't want to read too much into this saying this guy is going to, I bet be the rookie of the year, not Kate Cunningham. I, I think that he's going to put up huge, huge numbers in Houston this year. And is going to be such a highlight reel uh, so often that, uh, my my guess is he's the odds-on favorite to be Rookie of the Year. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%, especially because I think Houston is going to put him in the best position to be Rookie of the Year for 
I mean, for marketing purposes, and you know, they have to usher in this new James Harden, post James Harden era, and Green is obviously going to be the face of that. And I, I see him as a guy that, like next April, you're going to see a bunch of 30, 35 point games. That's the, you know, as the end of the season when teams are really in full tank mode, he's going to just put up some crazy numbers. We did not get to see Josh Giddy very much. A very exciting opening uh, with the Detroit uh, Pistons. Has an incredible dunk. And then five minutes uh, into his first game goes down with an injury. And so I don't, I don't know if you can take away anything from those five minutes, but I'm, I'm not going uh, to try to say, to say much. You know, five minutes is kind of the ultimate small sample size. Just disappointed that we didn't get to see Giddy. Obviously, somewhat of a controversial selection um, at six. And the, with the way... Alperin and Singun played, uh, for example, uh, with the way Jonathan Kaminga played. I think there's going to be a lot of debate about whether Oklahoma City ultimately made the right choice here uh, with Giddy. So let's go to the guy that they clearly passed on to take Josh Giddy, Jonathan Kaminga, Golden State Warriors. We knew the upside was high. I think most of us, including me, felt like he's going to be a work in progress. I wasn't expecting him to dominate in the summer league. I, I expected a much more muted performance. He was pretty good. Uh, and, and at times like really, really good clearly was making, you know, mistakes, shot selection, mistakes, turnovers, uh, was trying to finish every play with a highlight reel dunk, which always didn't necessarily, um, work out his way. But overall, man, I really thought, I like Jonathan Kaminga even more now than I than I thought I did, and he's probably going to be able to play a little bit, be a little bit more ready than I thought he would be for the Warriors. Yeah, I honestly thought that he was going to spend a large chunk of the season in Santa Cruz. He's still raw, but he shows enough to where you're like, you know what? I, I think he can crack the rotation this year. I mean, there's a bunch of plays where I, I left impressed, and then there were plays where I'm like, okay, he's he's still, like, is used to being physically stronger than everybody, and he's still trying to bully his way to the basket. And, um, and like you said, trying to dunk everything with, with highlight dunks. But I, I left thinking, like, this kid is going to be really, really good sooner than I expected. And he's still confident in the shot, even though the, the three-point shot is, you know, it doesn't look good. I thought he had some misses that looked pretty bad. But what I do like, and I mean, this is controversial, but I, I like the fact that he's not afraid to shoot it. Like, he's confident. Mm -hmm. And so he's not bothered if he misses one that, that he misses badly on one or two. He's still going to shoot it. And um, and I think once he develops into a good shooter, he's going to confidently let it fly. I, again, do you want to read too much into four games? No. But when you see an 18-year-old who is playing with the aggression and the confidence that he was playing, even when he didn't finish those highlight reel dunks, he could have finished them. Like, they, yeah. they were all within the plausibility uh, of him doing so. And as he gets more mature and picks his spots better... I, it, it, you know, it's, it was really interesting. I don't want to, again, read too much into the summer league, but Bob Meyer did something that took a lot of guts in that he's got a team that's competing for a championship. 
He ultimately decides to take Jonathan Kaminga, a guy that we thought was probably the least ready to help him of the top prospects um, in the draft, and think about the future. And now not only does the future look incredibly bright for Kaminga, but maybe he's going to help you a little bit more than you think. Now, again, who knows? We'll we'll see in Summer League. I I also thought James Wiseman was going to be able to help a little more than ultimately he was able to help, uh, you know, Golden State going forward. But certainly, I think if you're a Warriors fan right now, you got to feel good about him as well as Moses Moody uh, and the way that Moses Moody also played in the Summer League as a classic 3 and D guy who was knocking down shots and, and you know, playing, playing defense without long wingspan. I felt like it was a good, good summer for um, the Warriors. Yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. Do you think that Kaminga can crack the rotation? I, I don't know. I, I'm... I'm curious. I, I certainly think that if he was on a lesser team, yeah, we would be seeing him play a lot. Uh, you know, there's some minutes crunches and some things that I think we're going to have to, you know, figure out ultimately where Golden State does. But uh, overall, I, I think he's worthy of those minutes. I don't. I don't think it would be crazy not to to not play him right now and, and let him play through some mistakes. Again, the physical maturity is there. Um, the aggression is there. And you know, one of the things I was most impressed with was. I thought he gave Scotty Barnes a ton of problems. I mean, he went right after Scotty Barnes uh, when the Warriors played uh, the Raptors, and and I and I thought that 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 made things tough, and that impressed me um, to see that because Barnes is big, strong, athletic um, as well, and that you know that was a guy that could kind of physically match up with him, and and I and I thought Kaminga played well. Let's talk about one of the most physically ready prospects in the draft. We knew that coming in. He ends up win- winning uh, Summer League MVP, co-MVP with Cam Thomas. His team, the Sacramento Kings, finally win something. Uh, <laughs> they, win a, they win a Summer League title. Davian Mitchell was, to me, the other guy besides Cade Cunningham that if you liked him coming in, you're ready to sort of anoint him as he's going to be an all-star someday after the summer league performance. If you were skeptical about him coming in, people were still able to sort of pick apart his performance for Sacramento and, and essentially say, don't put too much stock in it. After watching Davian Mitchell play, at least we got to see him play five games uh, for Sacramento, uh, including a, a very interesting head to head matchup with Peyton Pritchard, who up to that point, you could argue had had the best summer league of anybody there, and he absolutely destroyed him uh, on on the defensive end. What did you think about Davian Mitchell? He picked up where he left off. That's that's the the thing that I noticed. Felt like even defensively, he may have turned it up a notch in the summer league. I mean, the we all remember the first. I think it's really like the first two or three days, the possession against Book Knight, where he just literally had him in jail where he couldn't do anything. And uh, I I actually felt like the people that were Mitchell doubters, I think even they have to be impressed. At at this point, you just have to say, well, only excuse you can say, well, it's summer league. It it doesn't count because he shot 47% from three, if I'm not mistaken. And that was the, you know, one of the knocks against him was, oh, he had an outlier season. He shot, you know, Mm -hmm. below, I want to say like 30, two percent his first two years prior to his junior year and, and and so on but the the shooting looks good in summer league and and i've you know this whole time when i've been defending mitchell i said that the way he shot the ball at baylor and the way he confidently pulled up 
tells me that he worked on his game. I, I didn't think it was an outlier season because, I mean, just the way the way he put up with confidence. Like sometimes, you know, a guy can't have an outlier season, but you know, pulling up threes off the dribble is something that you you work on. And the way he was letting it fly in summer league shows me that you know, he really did put in the time and, and the hours on this jump shot. Now, forty-seven percent from three—that's I mean, it's going to be small sample size to sustain that, but. but- he he was shooting it well. Yeah. The other thing that actually stood out to me is that people that question, you know, his assist and whether it was it was he really a point guard because they had that three-headed monster at Baylor in the backcourt with Masi Oteague and, and Jared Butler as well. A five nearly a five to one assist to turnover ratio uh, while he was playing seemed absolutely comfortable running that team at you know as a point guard as well. You know, the biggest question that I have, because I really liked him going into the draft, and I typically don't like older players, and so it says a lot when you're going to get top 10 love from me and be, you know, a 22, 23-year-old player, because I, I generally, I'm generally more skeptical. I'm just curious how this is going to work in Sacramento. Uh, <laughs> yeah. with, De- with De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald there. I mean, we, we mentioned this on draft night, and I think it puzzled us all. Uh, you see it more now because Sacramento was the worst defensive team in the league last year. They just added a guy who is just going to be a monster from day one on the defensive end. But how they get a rotation going with Darren Fox and Tyrese Halliburton? Do you slide Halliburton to the three? Um, you know, it's it, it's it's kind of interesting to sort of figure out how they're going to fit all that together. But if you're a Kings fan, you have to be pretty excited that once again it feels like the Kings got. A, a really, really good player um, to add with Darren Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how everything works out. Not necessarily who starts, but who closes. And you have to mm. figure with Mitchell's defense, and you're going against the likes of Westbrook to Lillard to Curry to Booker, you have to figure Mitchell is going to be in their closing lineup. So I wonder who is the odd man out. We know it's not going to be Fox. Um, if they go small, then who's guarding the Kawhis or, or Kawhi's not playing, but the Paul Georges, the, you know, the big wings. And then even like their center rotation, like they have a bunch of centers. So I'm really, really curious to see like who closes games for the Kings. I think the starting lineup is, I mean, it's it's not set in stone. I think it's a little bit more predictable, but I, I can't see a situation where Mitchell, considering the Kings' lack of defense, is not in their closing group. Wow. Well, uh, a, a great start for him. Great start for Kaminga. Great start for Jalen Green. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about other rookies that were not drafted uh, in that top nine uh, that we liked out of the Western Conference and a few guys that we were disappointed in. But before we do that, let's go and talk about Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money. When using Rock Auto, why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more on the same parts from a chain store car dealership? They have everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com today, right now, and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com.
and I'm back with Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies, also host of the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. We're talking Western Conference rookies and their performance in the summer league uh, right now. And we talked about some of the top guys, Jalen Green. Uh, we talked about Davian Mitchell. We talked about Jonathan Kaminga. You can also go over and check out all the cool scouting videos that Raphael's put together at NBADraftJunkies.com. I've also been writing a lot about the Summer League over at my website, NBABigBoard.com. You can subscribe to that, get emails all the time. I just graded every 2021 draft prospect who played it in the Summer League. Uh, that was an, an intense process of a lot of, of watching a Summer League video. So Raphael, we talked about those guys. Who outside of those top nine really stood out to you. I think I know what you're going to answer. I think I know who your answer is going to be on this one. <laughs> Outside of those top nine, who was your guy in the summer league that you were impressed with? Um, well, I'm going to throw a curve, but I won't go with my guy first. But I thought Bones Highland played mm. very, very well. I, I saw you gave him an A, and I thought it was well, well-deserved. And I, I think that he went to, like, a perfect team. In my opinion, Jokic is the perfect player for a combo guard a guy that can play a little bit of point but he doesn't have to have the pressure of being the table setter and i think playing with Jokic and, and denver i think that he's going to crack their rotation i mean we saw marcus howard played as a rookie i know that was due to injuries but i, I think highlands highland is going to make an impact as a rookie and i think he helps denver I, I thought he was one of the more impressive rookies and probably a guy that's going to outperform his draft position. Yeah. And, and again, sometimes it is that fit. And I agree with you on Bones Highland. The moment he was drafted by the Nuggets, I'm like, that makes perfect sense. What they need, how he plays. I could see him playing a Lou, Lou Williams sort of six man, you know, microwave score sort of off the bench. You're right with Jokic on the floor and Jamal Murray, whenever he's back and healthy, he doesn't need to be a lead ball handler for this team. Though I will point out he had 4.8 assists a game, uh, which, which, you know, he showed some abilities uh, to be a lead ball handler in the summer league. I don't think that's primarily how they're going to use him uh, in Denver, but. I, I agree with you. Bones Highland was one of the guys that I just, again, pleasantly surprised. And anytime you get a guy named Bones in the league and it looks like they're going to stick, you got to be pretty happy. Tim Conley, again, uh, I generally think he's a really great uh, drafter and general manager. We'll talk about a guy that maybe a little bit later that I think maybe he made a mistake on, but it's it's pretty rare um, that Denver that Denver makes mistakes. All Unless right, they're going to Utah. Yeah, yeah. Unless they're trading the guy to Utah, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal your thunder and talk about Alpern and Singun uh, for a second, who goes 16, and looks like the guys like John Hollinger and Kevin Pelton, uh, some of the stats guys that said this guy is a top five pick. He certainly made them look good in the summer league. And again, that's always you know something that we have to put on there as a qualifier in the summer league. Sengun looked like a top five pick uh, in this draft, a, a basketball genius offensively, uh, rebounded the ball well. Shockingly, uh, I think was second among rookies in block shots per game, which is not something that I necessarily saw coming. Uh, the passing was there. He just overall looked like he was more ready for this than anybody. And now some of that may be that the Turkish League competition is actually stronger than the summer league competition. And so he was actually kind of moving down 
in, uh, down a division instead of up a division, which you normally would sort of expect for guys. And so maybe that's part of it as well. My only caveat, we did not really see him go up against the NBA level strength, size, athleticism that he's typically going to face on a day-to-day night. And I'm not talking about, okay, let's see if he can do it against Anthony Davis because, look, I know almost nobody can do it against Anthony Davis. But just in general, most of the guys that he was dominating, I think about that Pistons game where he worked over Luka Garza. Okay, we already knew coming in that Luka Garza defensively was going to have some issues. And so that's Sengun's dream matchup um, in the Summer League. And and so I do want to, before we anoint him as a, you know, complete steal of the draft. I do want to see him against that NBA level of athleticism uh, and, and strength and, and link length. Uh, what did you think about his performance? I thought his performance was great, especially when you consider he didn't get post touches and he was on a team with guards that aren't table setters. Yeah. So there were plenty of plays where, and again, I'm probably biased because I was so high on him. But there were plays where, for example, in the Turkish league, his teammates knew him, and he does all his work early in the possession, running the floor, establishing low post position. And he was used to getting the ball in the post in Turkey where they, you know, like I said, he run the floor, established position early, use his strength and his strong lower body to, you know, get the ball in the sweet spot, and then they would just kind of clear out. He did not get those possessions here in summer league. So he had to figure out ways to score. I don't even say that he didn't get a lot of pick and roll possessions. He had to get like kind of garbage points. And then there were plays that I thought were funny where he would get the ball at the top of the key at the three point line and he would just create his own shot and he would drive and, and spin, he drive left or spin back middle, or there was just little things that he did that he just found ways to manufacture points, which I was really impressed with because he took I a three from the logo. He took like a 35-foot three-point shot at one point in the game, and it went in. <laughs> yeah, which was a terrible possession because Josh Christopher dribbled the air out the ball that whole possession and just kind of threw him a bomb. But, yeah, I mean, I think uh, before that, I think he missed maybe like his first two or three three-pointers. And then after that shot, I mean, he shot the ball pretty well from three, I think 37% overall. Right. So I was I was definitely impressed. And I had mentioned to somebody I was watching the game with, I said, I know John Wall is not in their plans, but John Wall is probably the only player on that team that will understand, like, okay, we need to get this guy a couple touches on the block per quarter. I didn't think he got that. I mean, with Christopher is not going to make an entry post pass. Jalen Green is more so a guy that will make the pass on dump offs. But as far as just letting him, like I said, get the ball early in, in, the, in the possession in the post, and he will find guys. Like if he gets the you know the ball on the block, and they clear out, I think he can create easy scoring opportunities for cutters. So again, I thought he played well, considering that he had to play a little bit differently than he had been playing in his you know MVP season in Turkey. Yeah, I I, I thought I thought by the way I thought the whole Rockets draft looked really intriguing. I actually thought Josh Christopher kind of outplayed his his draft position, want to see him shoot the ball better. Garuba was exactly what we thought he would be, defensively a monster, offensively, you know, a major work in progress. But, you know, if you look at his rebounding numbers, his steals numbers, given the minutes that he was playing, you know, there's clearly something there. One other guy I want to give a shout out to, Trey Murphy. 
uh, out, out, of, out of New Orleans. A lot of debate. Okay, is this guy the prototypical 3 and D guy? Is it going to be Mikel Bridges? Uh, or are we, are we really reaching here for a guy who averaged 11 points a game as a junior uh, for Virginia who can really shoot the basketball, but is he really going to be able to do anything else? I thought he was fantastic for New Orleans. I thought they, they had to be absolutely thrilled. Again, it's summer league, but you want your guys to thrive in summer league. And I thought Trey Murphy looked, looked great for them and certainly can see a role for him in New Orleans because they really sort of lack players like Trey Murphy. Yeah, I mean, he, he did everything that you expected. He shot the ball well, 44% from three. I thought he rebounded a little bit better than I than I would have guessed. Um, I think the first game he had like 26 or something like that. So he came out, you know, guns blazing. I think he's a good fit. And I had him, you know, before the trades, I, I, I had him going to New York. And I think New York, you know, drafted well, which we mentioned in the last podcast. But... I thought that he would have been a perfect guy for for the Knicks, a team that, even though on paper they were, you know, a, a good three point shooting team, but Murphy has the length and the versatility. Man, I, I think in a pinch he can play up to four positions, in a, in, well not four, three positions. I think he can play two, three, and four in in some lineups. So, I thought the Pelicans got a weapon there. Who were you most disappointed with among the? NBA rookies that were playing in the Western Conference. Anybody that that you were just like, man, I'm not feeling it? Uh, I mean, the guy that goes. got an F on your board, it was he, he struggled. I felt that was a reach there anyway with um, Santi, Santi Aldama. Santi, yeah. um, which is funny because he, and, and you know, at the 2019 under 18, he actually won MVP of that tournament over Singoon and, and Garuba. Um, I, I thought he struggled. Um, I'm, I'm probably in the minority here, but I was not a fan of Josh Christopher. I thought he put the ball in the basket. He played well. I didn't like how they were trying to make him like a, a point guard. I thought that was really weird. I thought um, even though his assist numbers and assist to turnover ratio numbers were, were solid, I thought he missed a lot of reads. I thought he played a little selfish. Um, I'm, and he I'm shot eighteen percent from three, which is not not you know expected or not you know well it's not I shouldn't say not expected. It is expected. I mean he struggled with catch and shoot opportunities. I think that he's kind of be a weird fit there because he's best when he has the ball in his hands. But they have too many guys that are better than him that will have the ball in their hands. And when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, and since he's not good at catching and shooting, I wonder what is his fit. And so maybe that's why they tried to turn him into a, a point guard. But I thought defensively, he, I thought he played well. I thought he, he played uh, – I mean, he just showed that he has the, the size and strength and the mobility to potentially be a – you know, a really impactful defender. He may need to study tape of, of fellow Arizona State alum, Lugans Dort. And, uh, you know, Dort made, you know, a name for himself on the defensive end. And I think that's what Christopher is going to have to do. I also made a comparison. Somebody didn't like it, but I said I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Christopher ends up being like Alonzo Trier in a sense, mm. where you know he can score. If you put him in the G League, he's going to score 25 points per game, 
but it's not going to really help him in the role that he would have to play in the NBA. Um, so I wasn't as big of a fan how they used him. I, I would have still taken Sharif Cooper with, with that pick. I thought it would have made a lot more sense. Um, again, I, I I wasn't high on Zion Williams. Yeah, I mean, and, and show flashes, but yeah, I didn't think he was that that productive. Also, he he had he had one really good game. Yep, and uh, and and in that game, you could see why. Uh, yeah, then that was against the Heat, where he had 19 points, was four for six from three, had a couple steals. Why why the Grizzlies drafted him? But there was. There was a lot of shaky moments. He ends up twenty percent from three. Uh, you know, I I was much more supportive than probably most people of Zaire Williams going this high. And and I'll be the first to admit I was a little bit nervous watching the summer league uh, performance that maybe I overreached there. I was nervous um, too because I was so adamant that I didn't think there was a big difference between him and BJ Boston. But one received the benefit of the doubt, and when he had the good game, I was like, oh man, my my mentions at Twitter are going to be crazy. Yeah. Well, and you ended up turning out right because BJ Boston actually, I thought performed well, especially for the 51st pick in the draft. I mean, yeah. if you're grading based off a kind of a sliding scale of where they were drafted, he actually looked better to me than Zaire did. Uh, he looked more confident. He, uh, I, I thought he posted a couple of games that were better than frankly, anything that I saw at Kentucky, uh, which is, you know, always sort of strange when that, when that happens, I would say the same thing about Trey Murphy, like his stat line, uh, in the summer league was better than his junior year stat line at Virginia, uh, which yeah. is, which is pretty amazing. But yeah, I, I would agree with you. Like if, if, if you were to just take summer league performance right now and say, which guy should have gotten a benefit of the doubt, Boston or Zaire Williams, I, I think you'd have to argue that it was, that it was Boston and that the yeah. Clippers made Clippers made a better play. I'd also just point out Keon Johnson, who we knew was going to be a work in progress and who also had one terrific game for the Clippers and then a bunch of really sort of head-scratching, uh, worrying games where he's out on offense is another guy that probably looked like he probably fell to the right place uh, in the draft based off of where we saw it in the, saw in the summer league. But the upside clearly there and, and sort of like Zaire had at least one game where it looked to me like, okay, if this is what he's going to become, I can get pretty excited. Um, if I'm a if I'm a Clippers fan, uh, thinking about that um, that that game that he had against the Jazz, where he had 17 points, a couple, you know, I think three threes, and blocked uh, Udoko Azubuike uh, as well, which is not not an easy yeah. thing to do with a guy that was shooting like 80 percent from the field on dunks. So. Um, Definitely, interestingly, in the Western Conference, a few more guys that had shakier performances than actually what we saw in the East. Yeah, and I, I, I still, going back to Boston and, and Williams, I still can't figure out why. I mean, they both had disappointing rookie years, or I'm sorry, freshman seasons, compared to the hype that they had coming in. But again, it just seemed like Zaire was the only one that got the benefit of the doubt to the point where he crept up as a top 10 pick. And now yeah, 10 and 51. So 40, 41 spots different between them. It's a lot of money. I mean, I think yeah. is Boston on the two way. They signed him to a two way deal or did he sign? Yeah, I believe a, so. I, I don't know if he's on a two way. He's signed to a deal. I'm not sure which it was, whether they so just signed like him to a three straight years, deal or two way. $4 million or something like yeah. that, which is yeah. crazy. But 
Now looking at Memphis and their roster, I don't know how Zaire even cracks their rotation. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's another question mark as well for them. Want to just end this little segment talking about San Antonio for a minute. Josh Joshua Primo was the other big surprise on draft night. Maybe the biggest surprise at all uh, at 12, just compared to where the consensus, both I think in the media and frankly from NBA teams of where he was in the draft. And I, and I think he played okay in those two games. I'm not going to rag on the guy who's the youngest player in the draft. Uh, only got to play two games before, you know, succumbing to an injury. Uh, there was, if you liked him, there was things to like. If you didn't like him, there was things not to like. Any regret, though, if you're San Antonio, that you passed on Sengun? Uh, you know, this, this, this team that has a history of, of getting international prospects right and then seeing what Sengun is doing versus Josh, uh, Josh Primo and maybe Trey Murphy uh, as well, another guy that I think you could have seen helping you know, San Antonio this year. Any any buyer's remorse if you're San Antonio right now, or do you just you just stick with what they saw and and hope that down the road, Primo at his age will develop and be better than those guys? Yeah, I mean it's so weird because if there was one team that I did not think would take a gamble on such a young prospect, it was San Antonio. I would have thought that they were going to reach for someone who was more ready to come in and contribute. Which taking Primo makes me wonder, like, are, are they really going to embrace rebuilding? Which I still can't see Pop doing anyway. But I, I, I get their philosophy of if Primo stays another year in school, he's unlikely to fall to us at, at this low. Um, I thought his first game he struggled big time. And then I think the second game was a lot better. Um, but, I mean, it seems like they're going to be patient and, and – um, you know, let let him develop, and we'll just have to see. But I'm still kind of stunned that San Antonio took Primo. I thought he was a guy that Houston or Oklahoma City, one of these teams with a bunch of draft picks would take, but I just didn't mm. see San Antonio taking him so early. All right, when we return, we'll talk about some of the sophomores that played in the Western Conference. Before we do so, I want to tell you about Built Bar and their nine delicious flavors. Uh, they have coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, which is Rafael Barlow's favorite flavor, coconut, my favorite flavor. These are chewy, they're sweet, they taste like candy bars, even though they're actually good for you. They're healthy uh, protein bars. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, only four grams of net carbs. So order today and get that raspberry, mint brownie, get that salted caramel, Rafael Barlow's favorite flavor, get the coconut, my favorite flavor, or whatever you like. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, Raphael. Let's think about the sophomores, the non-rookies that played in uh, the summer league. Who stood out to you among guys that were in the Western Conference that, that you thought had a good performance? Oh, man, this is tough. Um, 
<laughs> I guess I'm gonna have to go with a guy that I kind of questioned to pick last year, Azubuki. <laughs> I thought that he played. I thought he played well. I mean, he looked like the guy we saw at Kansas, the guy that just did not miss anything around the rim. So, um, Azubuki is one of the guys that stood out to me. Uh, 84% from the field. Which is better Azubuki. than what he shot at Kansas, which was like 76 or 77. So, um, 80, 84%, all dunks, uh, 14 points a game, almost nine rebounds a game, 2.5 blocks a game. And and even though his body doesn't like look like incredibly cut or like he's in the world's greatest shape, I mean, he's so athletic for a guy that is his size. I think that's the thing that really sort of stands out about him. You're just surprised when you look at him, how quick he moves his feet, how quick he can be off the floor. And for Jazz fans that just absolutely tore them apart uh, for drafting him last year, you can kind of see where maybe you know he's going to get some minutes backing up um, Rudy Rudy next year, and and maybe he's going to shut some Jazz fans up who were who were unhappy uh, with that draft choice. I think that's actually a really nice pick. Um, my guy was Jaden McDaniel's, a guy who I will say that I thought the Jazz I, I was arguing for the Jazz to draft him um, instead of Azubuki on on draft night, and. A guy that did that same thing, had a sort of Zaire Williams, Brandon Boston-ish, terrible rookie season at Washington, but then goes to Minnesota and and starts to, especially on the defensive end, starts to make a name for himself, gets minutes because he's on a bad team, and starts to show that sort of two-way potential. Uh, now he was slashing to the basket. He can pull up and shoot it a little bit. Uh, you... I was just very intrigued, again, from one of the younger players in this draft about what he could still become. I still feel at the end of the day, Jaden McDaniels probably should have been a lottery pick in 2020. And I think he's at the end of the day, he's going to play himself into being one of the top you know, 10 to 15 prospects uh, in this draft. And, and I thought, again, to seeing him being able to make some progress for Minnesota, uh, I was impressed. Yeah, I, I liked his game. I mean, just watching his film, not too many guys in the world have this combination of height, skill level, and fluidity, and ball handling. I, I thought it was just up to him. I thought he was one of those guys where the sky is the limit. It's just, you know, up to him to accept the role. And which, to my surprise, he accepted a role as a defender. That's kind of kind of how he earned his minutes. That's not something I would have thought right. at this time last year that he'd have a he'd be an impactful uh, defensive player. As a rookie, another guy that, um, and we mentioned Jazz fans, and and the guy that a lot of people thought the Jazz should have selected was Desmond Bain. Yeah, he had a really strong summer league. I think he averaged what twenty four points a game. We knew he could shoot, but one of the things I like about summer league is how teams try to put guys in a position that they won't play in the regular season just to see what they can do. I remember years ago, Memphis was trying O.J. Mayo at the point, and they realized, okay, you know what, this is never going to happen, so he won't be a point. But I thought I saw a lot of Desmond Bain playing a ball handler role, a, a role where he had the ball in his hands and was making decisions. And so I, I thought he performed really well. But him and Trey Jones, those are two guys that you could tell the year of difference that they had as a rookie, like really stood out and kind of helped them stand out above the rest of the, the guys in the class. Trey Jones, great call, 22 points a game, 6.3 assists a game. He did he did average nearly five turnovers a game, which is a little bit disconcerting, and yeah. uh, I don't see how Pop's going to love or be able to handle that anytime soon. But I definitely 
think you walk away from Trey Jones thinking maybe the Spurs have something there um, that we didn't get to quite see uh, in in year one. So I, I definitely thought he was good. I also thought um, from the Jazz, a guy that went undrafted last year but started to get a, a few minutes towards the end of the season, Trent Forrest, uh, looks yeah. like he's, he's going to be a guy out of Florida State who uh, I think Jazz fans are really going to like uh, as well. And, and a guy that just absolutely gets after it defensively keeps my theory going that Florida State guys, for whatever reason, just don't quite show quite as well uh, in, in college basketball as they're going to be in the pros. Leonard Hamilton uh, once again looks like he might be delivering another, another Florida State guy to, to us that, that could, could ultimately be um, really good. Zeke Naji, you know, it, it's, it's hard to, again, kill a guy, though, in the second season you expect, like we say, to see that year in the NBA, that year of maturity shows up. He um, averages five points a game on 19% shooting from the field, 11% shooting from three. This is a 6'10 uh, player who's at shooting under 20% from the field. That's hard to do. Um, you know, clearly he is trying to be more of a face the basket uh, type of player, but th- this might be one of the few times that I think Denver may have gotten this one this one wrong. I, I thought he was a little bit of reach, frankly, in the 2020 draft, uh, being in-, in the late first round. Uh, it was probably the guy that I watched and said, I-, I think by your second season, we should see a better and stronger performance than we saw from him. Yeah, definitely. He was definitely a disappointment and um you know like the concerns there were about him in school now they kind of really stand out you knew that he he wasn't necessarily like a three-point shooter you hoped that he could have the potential to stretch the floor as a floor spacer but you knew he wasn't a back to the basket guy either he got a lot of points off of dump offs and face-ups but yeah i mean he he really struggled and you know, depending on what they do with Bo Bo, well, I mean, they have JaVale. So um, I, I really don't see a situation where he earns any minutes again this year because they're going to go, obviously, Jokic with JaVale as their backup. No, JaVale went to Phoenix. I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, I imagine Bo Bo would be uh, ahead of him in their rotation. So it's going to be tough for him to get minutes. Let's um... – you know, let's end by sort of thinking about, you know, overall, you know, everything we've seen. I want to talk about one last guy, a guy that, you know, I think is a cautionary tale about how you can write off a player maybe a little bit too early after a poor summer league and what have you. And and I think we've tried to be fair and balanced here a little bit and not overreaching here. Jalen Smith uh, for Phoenix. If you would have asked me, my visceral reaction to Jalen Smith being drafted where he was drafted in 2020, I would say that was a big mistake that the, the Suns overreached. And then when you saw his limited production um, that he had for Phoenix last year, you could say, look, they threw away a draft pick uh, here. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton uh, was there. Devin Vassell was there. You know, what were they thinking? Uh, and, uh, you know, he came back and actually had a pretty nice summer league. Uh, for yeah. for Phoenix uh, in in year two, um, he's stretching the floor. Uh, you know, he shot the ball pretty well for Phoenix, and I think it's uh, to me an example. And look, I'm not saying he. They, they, I think they should have taken Tyrese Halliburton. Can you imagine the Phoenix Suns if they'd had Tyrese Halliburton last year and 
and, and what role he would have played. But he, to me, he's a great example of maybe we got to be careful about reading too much into a poor summer league performance or even a rookie year that doesn't quite pan out the way that it does. Coming back the second year, he he looked more like an NBA player than he did his first year. Yeah, I gave him a pass because it's hard for a rookie, any rookie, to crack the rotation on a team that goes to the finals. So I, I gave him a pass because I, I didn't think that he really received an opportunity to play. And we also knew coming in that he was going to be the backup to DeAndre Ayton. I think that New Orleans is the perfect place for him. I think there there has to be some type of trade that can be made to where he goes to the Pelicans because I think Zion is kind of tough to build around because he's like a center and a the height of a wing, but you know he's massive as far as like you know just you know how how wide he is and how strong he is. But he needs to be paired, at least in my opinion, with a guy that can space the floor, block shots, and, and rebound. And there's not too many of those guys uh, around where you can say that this is a five that can space the floor. And I think Smith is the perfect complementary piece to Zion. Um, may not be like the sexiest name, but I think he's uh, he's someone that, you know, a creative coach can run some pick and rolls with Zion and have, uh, you know, Smith popping. Um, so as long as he's in Phoenix, I really don't know how he's going to get any minutes because unless they play him at the four, which I don't see happening, I, I think that he, he's going to struggle to get minutes no matter how well he played in the summer league. But I thought he played well. I'm happy to see him get some minutes because, again, I just think that he was unfairly criticized. But you know, not too many rookies crack the rotation on a, on a team that goes as deep in the playoffs as the Phoenix Suns did. He's Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies. Make sure you go check out his website. He's already doing videos now for the 2022 <laughs> NBA Draft, including Yannick Zosa, who I think could be a legitimate candidate for the number one pick in the 2022 NBA Draft. So make sure you go check out Rafael's stuff there. Make sure you go over to nbabigboard.com. Go subscribe today. Get emails from me multiple times a week as we're breaking down everything from the Summer League stuff. So much stuff there. And we're going to start... Uh, next week with some more 2022 stuff. We've already done who's, who are the potential candidates for the number one pick in the draft. We're going to start start with top returning college basketball players uh, next next week as well. So plenty of great stuff coming over at NBABigBoard.com. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.